All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. My name is Michael Whittle, and I am here with my esteemed co-host, Dean Sweetman, and a guest who is a not just a friend of the pod, but um, just a friend of us in general, big friend of Vast and all of us that are involved. Tanner, what's up, man? Tell us, first of all, properly say your last name. Yeah, good question. So it's Tanner Reclitus, which, as my friends in high school pointed out, it sounds like a disease. That that is true. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Tanner is uh, also from the incredible Dwell, uh, the Dwell app that we have been working with as partners uh, for the last couple of months here at Vast and just doing, uh, honestly, such an incredible work there. Giving away free Dwell subscriptions for a year is that what? what is that is that what we're doing is that what we're doing uh, i was do I listening to i was listening to good theology this morning and uh um they're offering free did, did you know did you know that jake and dave are offering free dwell apps for a year <laughs> i'm gonna need to talk to somebody about that i don't i don't know where they got that idea yeah they've they've totally run rogue okay so we're gonna talk about a few things today we're gonna talk about bivocational ministry uh, we're going to talk about uh, some truths that uh, apparently will make you more money than getting an MBA. But but, but first, I want to read uh, a couple of tweets from this morning. So uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, uh, I read a tweet from Michael Burry, you know, the infamous Big Short man, the character from the Big Short. And just a few weeks ago, uh, he tweeted, sell. And that was up for about 10 minutes. He deleted it, which is generally his MO. He tweets something, leaves it up for five minutes, deletes it, and then the screenshots of the tweet spread. Exactly. So that was just two or three weeks ago. So this morning, he tweets this. I was wrong to say sell. And then he follows it up with a tweet that says, going back to the 1920s, there has been no BTFD, which means by the freaking dip. <laughs> uh, generation like you, congratulations. And mm-hmm. um, according to the folks at the Autopilot app, which we love, he, has, love sold his, he has sold his short position. So here we are. It's March 30th. Hmm. Dean or Tanner, did we think that all of a sudden uh, we would be bullish or that Michael Burry would be bullish yeah. uh, at the end of Q1 of 2023? I'm a, I was a quarter out. I thought we were going to get up, like pressure up, you know, at the in the second half. So, you know, I, I have either CNBC or Fox Business on like silent all day. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I always keep an eye on stuff. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of lot of analysts that have been negative for six months are starting to go. You know what? We could be at the bottom. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. And by the way. Um, I have in my role, so pilot, if you don't know the pilot app, autopilot, yep. Autopilot. It, it's unbelievably awesome. And I will disclose, I am an investor. So like mm-hmm. this, but it's a shameless plug for autopilot. Uh, I have a small amount of money in a Robinhood account. It's not like my real money, but I am up. I, I attach myself to, um, Citadel and, yep. and Burry. Yep. And I am up, uh, I'm up 10% in six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I have some Warren Buffett in there just for, you know, nostalgia purposes, but mm-hmm. uh, it is a cool app. 
it really is a cool app. Um, and and um, so yeah, so markets. I don't know. Maybe things are turning a corner. We will see. We we'll will see. see. We got we got Rich. banks. We got banks failing, and we got the market ripping. I don't know what right. world we're living in, but we're living in it. I mean, if if banks like if rates hold for a month, and then they do one more twenty five bip just for to end the party inflation, I, I think the market's got to go because there'll be pressure on bonds like downwards, right? And so everyone who alloc- they allocate these capital allocators got to go put the money where they mm-hmm. going to make some money, and you know. Could be a moment for the markets. Second yep. Thanks to the millennials and Gen Zers who love to buy the dip, and yep. uh, maybe maybe they're the new backstop of of the market. Okay. Um, so Tanner, uh, Tanner, you and I met. I believe you DM'd me on either Twitter or Instagram or something um, about a year ago, and we've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a while. Um, and I feel like since then we've got so much to talk about. But just give us a bit of your background. Like first of all. Where'd you come from and what are you doing at Dwell? And then how did you come across our little outfit of podcasters uh, over the last year? Yeah. So to tell you where I came from, I'll tell you the story of Vince Lombardi. I was standing before his team one day and he said, this season you will succeed if you do three things. You focus on your family, your religion or your God and the Green Bay Packers. And uh, <laughs> I'm from I'm from the great state of Wisconsin. I currently live in Arizona, uh, so I've I've migrated south. Um, but enjoy it, um, and I'm just I'm you know to use the famous radio. I feel like I'm just knocking out all the cliches and doing this. But I'm the the longtime listener, first time caller deal. Um, and, and honestly, guys, just really enjoy the podcast. Uh, started listening last year, probably around July August time. Just kind of somehow encountered. Uh, I think at that point it was still vast. Mm-hmm. And and you guys just started listening. My wife and I had a 16-hour trip from where we were in Charlotte back to Wisconsin. And I think we spent every minute listening to either an episode of Kings and Priests or Vast. So uh, we That's kind of terrifying too- to think about. That must have been such yeah. a miserable road trip. Oh, you know? you're, you're, too hard. <laughs> you're too hard on yourself. <laughs> no, but I, I thought you guys... Um, we're speaking into a space that there really weren't quality voices and, uh, and just started listening along and have been listening ever since, uh, you know, if you, I know Michael, you're a big fan of, you know, my first million and, um, well, all in, like, I know you guys listen to all in and you, you reference it for me when I listen to, to those kind of shows, um, I don't know, something, something goes wrong. I'm glad that you guys can listen to them and still live like good lives. But <laughs> for me, when I listen to them, I'm, I don't know, something weird happens. So I appreciate you guys being, being a space where you're integrating Christian faith and business uh, to yeah. help, you know, just help people who want to do this thing well, um, yeah. do it well. And that's, you know, a little that, bit, I guess just a, that's the passion one, of the podcast, yeah. like intersection, faith and business and how that all works, you know, for us. Totally. All. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Michael, like you mentioned, I'm a part of the team at Dwell Bible. Um, so the big, you know, really the big thing that that I get to do every day is I just get to help pastors increase Bible engagement at their church. Um, a little bit about our app. We we launched in 2018 really to help Christians reclaim, uh, you know, the way we say it is we, we want to help Christians reclaim the ancient practice of listening to scripture. Uh, you know, when we read the Bible, it's traditionally about knowledge acquisition, where we're trying to really digest the text, right? Exegete it. And we're trying to figure out um, what does this text mean? 
And then when, when you listen, at least for me, I have a different experience listening than I do reading. And uh, I, I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's one of those things like you, you probably just want to experience it at least one time in your life. Uh, and, and for me, once I do, um, you know, listening is a, is a regular part of my Bible engagement, just discipline now. Uh, you know, listening to it while I go on walks, drive in the car, whatever. And, uh, you know, we recently ran an analysis um, on some of our churches that used well for their people. Uh, and what we found is that the average church member engages with the Bible for 404 minutes with well per year. So mm. sometimes wow. that's sometimes that's additive. Sometimes that's, you know, that's replacing, but no matter how it's happening, the average church member is, is spending 404 minutes uh, in the scriptures when they, uh, when they download dwell, which we love. And, yeah. uh, and just, that's really our motivation is we just want to help people engage God's word. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of say it now. And of course we'll say it at the end, but if you're a pastor, um, you know, you're, you're a ministry leader, just let, you know, reach out. You can just text um, text Kings. So we're going to change it, Michael. We're going to change okay. it to Kings. Kings. Uh, you can text Kings to three nine three eight three. I'll get you set up with the account. You can test it out yourself. And yeah, just take a look. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love it. Um, I think I mentioned this at some point, but you know, back in the day, like we're talking eighties. I had all the cassette tapes of the yeah. King James Bible, right? Then I'd put them on my cassette player beside my bed and. So, you know, I, I used to well in the mornings, you know, mostly um, before I start. I do I do about between two and three hours of stuff, like in the morning before I hit the chair here. And um, 30 minutes in Bible and then the rest is, you know, blogs and other stuff, tech. But yeah, man, love the app. And it's it really is a great way to absorb scripture because it's, it's meditative, you know. And so, like you know, ministry 30 years, right? I've, I've prepared a million sermons and I've studied the Bible um, every which way known to man and love it. Um, but this is totally different. This is a, this is great for your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're, you're just absorbing Psalms or, you know, the wisdom books and it's just, it's a great way to feed your spirit. So mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. appreciate you saying that. What's yeah. your favorite voice? Do you have, uh, you have a favorite voice? I, I don't I kind of just bounce all over the place, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's no kind of real, uh, I, it, my Siri on my phone is set to a, a female Australian because <laughs> it cracks my American wife up. So like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I bounce around. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I feel like I was, I kind of noticed this even last night. So, you know, like if you think about, you know, the seventies, eighties and nineties, you sort of had the image of like the TV always on in the home. And right. uh, for us at, at our house, it's actually not like that. Like generally my wife or I, we have to work hard on it, but we generally have at least one of these in, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, even like we have dinner, she let's say is taking care of the baby and I'm doing the dishes and cleaning up. I've got these in my ears. And even just as a pastor, like that's part of why we're doing vast is like people are being formed way more through what yep. they're listening to. Um, and so I just love any expression of trying to get um, Orthodox Christian messaging in any way <laughs> into mm -hmm. people's ears, whether they're listening passively or not, to me is such a massive, a massive win. Um, okay, so I read a tweet. Most of the topics we get on this podcast come from Twitter, because <laughs> that's where I get most of my information. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but last night, I literally just went into the uh, Twitter search page and typed in bivocational ministry 
and I just wanted to see what wow. was the chatter going on on uh, on Twitter about it. And the top tweet from the last eight months was this, and this is kind of like kind of move us to the next part of the discussion. But uh, the tweet was this: Jesus was a carpenter, Peter was a fisherman, Luke was a doctor, Matthew a tax collector, Paul a tent maker. There is nothing unworthy about bivocational ministry. Mm-hmm. And I read that last sentence and started just scrolling through. And one thing I noticed about this idea of bivocational ministry is it seems like up until now, it's kind of been almost like looked down upon. In, in my generation. In some ways. It, it was, you weren't a real minister if mm-hmm. you weren't full time. Mm-hmm. 100%. That was like when I grew up in ministry, which is, you know, 80s and 90s. Um, I think that's massively changed today. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and big, like because of the internet, because of mobile, because of like mm-hmm. all the tech that we always love all the time, that that's just, and then the, the invention of the side hustle and like side gigs and this and that, it, you know, it is, all of that has shifted and, and then it's a generational thing. I think, you know, you guys are, I don't know how old you are, Tana. You look like you're 14, but. Um, <laughs> I look, I look younger than Michael. No way. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael's, Michael's like getting up there now. I got, this fake, I got this fake beard thing I'm trying to do to make me look older. Are you in your 20s, Tana? I'm 28, yeah. Yeah, okay. And Michael's in his 30s and I'm in my 50s, right? So we have a good spread here. And I, I 100% think if you're in your 20s today and, you know, under 35 probably, it, it's a whole different mindset when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, the bivocational minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I would love to hear, I want to just kind of like lay out a bit of a couple of the different thoughts around it. And then Tanner, I would just want to hear your thoughts and your kind of experience in, in yeah. that. And then Dean, you as well. So from my understanding, there's a few different directions here uh, in the way people think, right? So the idea of being a bivocational pastor for some means, uh, in fact, our, our good friend, Nathan Finocchio and I have gone back and forth on this quite a few times where his perspective would be if you are a teacher of the word of God, um, that should be where the majority of your time is being focused, right? How can you do a side business and this and that if you're supposed to be dedicating yourself to to the word of God, which I actually will largely understand. I think, though, a lot of people in ministry uh, are not teaching and preaching the word of right. God every week, or they're in a season of their life where that's not the primary focus of their ministry. So there's kind of that direction. And then there's the other direction, Dean, I know what you and I have talked about, which is it gets you outside of the church bubble and in right. and amongst real people in the community who are wanting and needing a pastor and a church, even if they don't know it. Uh, but it also, I think, helps pastors hopefully figure out a way to provide for their family and not to depend on the church for uh all of their income. So Tanner, why don't you just like talk about your journey, your thoughts? I know this is actually the topic that you and I first connected on. So uh, I don't know, give us your, give us your take on that. And then Dean, we want to hear from you next. Yeah. So I think the real motivation for me, even reaching out, as I said, you guys, especially like your, if you haven't listened to the first 10 episodes of Kings and Priests, like you need to go back and listen because that like, they were amazing. And you guys just laid out really the foundation of like what you're doing. As I was listening to that, driving back to Wisconsin, back to Charlotte, um, just thinking like, what role does bivocational ministry have today? What does it look like to do it well? What um, What's the upside? And then what's the downside, right? So as, as you just alluded to with Nathan, like the downside is you don't get to dedicate yourself fully to 
to the preaching and teaching of the word. You don't get to dedicate yourself to the study. But the upside is maybe uh, if we think in terms of, of, you know, like a lean startup kind of thing, uh, if we want to use that as a way to understand church planning, like maybe the church plant stays around longer or it, it has right. a greater likelihood to succeed because, um, you know, we're, we're doing bivocational ministry and we just like, we just don't die essentially. <laughs> like we don't, we don't, we, yeah, we don't run out of fuel. And then just knowing, you know, Michael, my, Dean, that you guys had bivocational experience yourself as I'm considering what does this look like in the future? Uh, one thing I didn't mention is that I'm currently in ministry school. And I think we talked about this last week out at, at leader retreat, but like, what is, I guess, what is, what are your experiences mm -hmm. uh, have to say into that of what are the, what's the upside? What's the downside? What do people expect? Like, what are some of the sacrifices that people expect? And then what are the things that people aren't aware of when it comes to bivocational ministry? Yeah, I have a lot of uh, thoughts about this. I, I, I'm going to dissect the, the particular type of ministry. Like Nathan and the boys, you know, all the mates at Theosu, they are teaching theology. Mm -hmm. That, that is a full-time job, so I totally agree. Um, let's talk about some other kind of ministry. If you're a sen senior pastor of a church under 250 people, you know, you are, you've got some roles. You, you're probably the teaching guy as well. At that point, you're probably not the pastoral guy. You've got an associate. Um, and, and so, you know... Would you say too, Dean, at that point, you're probably the number one, if not the top two or three expenses to, to the church. Correct. And now I don't think the ox should be muzzled. Right. So I think I agree with Nathan, like the church should provide for ministry, but I'm, how I'm thinking about it is if you're two fifteen under and you're a senior guy, what could you do earning, you know, whatever, like let's say you devoted two days a week. And if you delegate well and you spend two days preparing a great message on Sunday, like two days is probably enough, right? Mm -hmm. The new the new um, AI that we're building into Sermonly is actually going to uh, shrink That's that way right. down. But um, we'll talk about that another day. Um, but essentially you can spend, you know, and then usually now preaching's changed, right? Like you, you, you're doing a series and maybe you've, you've sat around with some of your team and you're like, hey, we, it, it's it's uh, coming in, into summer and we want to mm -hmm. do a series on X or it's coming in. Yeah, planning. You know, Pastors are getting ahead. It's not like it's, happens, it's right? not like it's Saturday yeah. afternoon. Holy Spirit speak. What uh, exactly. what am and, I going to do tomorrow? The old days were like, it's like I didn't do it Saturday afternoon. But, you know, I'd start I'd think on Monday, Tuesday and I we didn't do series wasn't really popular when I was preaching a lot. It was in the last kind of 10 years, I guess. Before that, you just went, you just I was reading something. I go, oh, I could do a great message out of that. Right. Um, so I think that the dynamics have changed, but I hundred percent agree. If you're a church planner, probably up to 250, maybe if you're really good, 500, you should have extra revenue coming in outside of what the church is giving you. For one reason that Tanner said, it takes pressure off the budget, especially when you're starting. So you're not burn, burning as much cash. That church plant can go longer. And, uh, and then the other reason is so as a minister, you don't retire poor. So his is and which is the vast majority of preachers mm -hmm. do not retire when they should. They go five to ten years too long because they have nothing in retirement and they have nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. So could we flip that in, in a generation and have a young guy like Tanny here go and plant a church, you know, in the next couple of years, and and he's developed some kind of business that he can earn 
you know, let's say in the first year, you know, I can be smart and go and earn an extra five grand, just small. I can go on, I can go and drive Uber and earn five grand, mm-hmm. right? Two days a week, I'm going to make a couple hundred bucks. Um, that happens to be 10 grand. What if you did that? And like, that's a massive mindset shift. If you did that, if you did 10 grand into your 401k or, or into investments, you know, call it 20 years, you're a multi, multi your retirement. Yep. You're done. You know, it's so interesting you say that. I <clears throat> I have a lot of friends, and I've now been in and around ministry long enough to see the sort of boomer generation getting ready to retire and being friends yep. with a lot of, of kids yep. whose dads Fine. did ministry. And the majority of the story I hear is my dad doesn't have, have enough money to retire. And so he's got to right. continue to do it. And, and, and we had this pastor that's super involved in our church. His name is Mike Maiden. And he told me last time he was here that I think they have five or six campuses. He encourages every one of his campus pastors to have a side business or side gig. He said, because for my side business and gig, I travel and preach. He's like, this is my retirement. My campus pastors don't have that. And so one of them owns a plumbing company and one of them owns a a landscaping company. And he said, because we have to be thinking about, you know, what are we going to do in our sixties and seventies and eighties? And I think that's such a, such a right on, um, I mean, right on way of thinking the productivity increase now with the technology, like how, like think about just communicating to your church members or communicating to your leaders. You know, I can just, just get on a video straight away and send a message to my whole church. I do it in Slack to my whole staff. We have 180 people here. It's like, you know, usually it's on Mondays and Fridays. I'm going to do like a, a one minute, 30 second, you know, Hey guys, we're doing this, that, and just, you know, pump them up. Like I can do that like to, instantly to everyone. So like all the productivity increases that we've gained through technology over the last 10 or 15 years, utilize that to be able to, yep, my sermon prep, um, I, I got to do some leadership. I'm going to be discipling people. I'm going to be shepherding the flock. But the tech is, is like almost halved your output as far as time during the week. So I think if you're utilizing technology, you've got some time, go and work hard, and, you know, retire a multimillionaire. It's like mm-hmm. right in front of every single right. minister. Right. Tanner, do you think that your generation is more open to, or or do you think the bivocational ministry life is more appealing? From what I see, it seems like it's more appeal- appealing to a, a lot of the people uh, your age that are uh, in or about to go into ministry. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if that's not just a reaction against like, the whole celebrity pastor thing where, uh, you know, Hey, I don't want to get rich off the church, which in most cases is not happening. (laughs) 99.9% of churches. That is not the case, but I do wonder if it's not like a high visibility, you know, certain, certain leaders are very high visibility in just the Christian world. And therefore, young adults with a heart for ministry who sense some sort of calling are like, well, I don't want to be that. Right. I don't, I don't want that to be my reputation, my story, any of that. So then what's the other path, right? I think, I think there's an element of that, that, uh, that seems to be, at least that has been something that I've had to process through is like, is this something that I would want to go that route? Should God call us into whether it's, you know, full-time ministry, planting, whatever that looks like. 
-hmm. How would we, how would we support, you know, just our family? How would we build for our future? How would we do all of that? That's more just a, a brain dump of thoughts than a, than a real question, but does that make sense? Totally. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a lot of guys my age who are retiring, they, they try to become coaches, right? Like, and so, and, and like, you don't have to have a big church to coach young pastors, but you have to have success, right? You can't, like, it's, it's hard to coach someone beyond where you've lived. And I find a lot of guys, they're like, you know, they, they need money. And so they're trying to coach guys and, you know, they were faithful, beautiful servants of God for 20, 30 years. And yes, they had something to give, but there's only, only so many coaching opportunities that there's mm-hmm. going to be right for, for this generation. And so I, I just think it just makes a ton of sense to just flip the whole paradigm and celebrate bivocational. And like, if, if, you know, that my generation is like, oh, well, you're not really in ministry. It's like, dude, you know, I got two million bucks in my investment account. Right. And like, you can call me not in real ministry if you want, but I'm set up for life because I've been doing this for 10 years mm-hmm. and my church is healthy and great. And I got a great group of leaders and, you know, we're all building the kingdom together. And I got the, the 250 people God's given me mm-hmm. and I love every one of them. And this is awesome. And right. It's like, I'd rather be that guy and, and have my side hustle, you know, preparing me for, you know, later in life than, you know, be in full-time ministry and, and be still preaching when I'm 75. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mike, if I, if I might jump in here, like, Go I know you, I know you have a role at C3. You're also building vast. Mm-hmm. You're, you've also built other businesses. How did, how have you, come to terms with the very, like the, the multiple roles you have, right? Your husband, a father, a, an entrepreneur and, uh, your, your pastor at C3 LA. What is like, how have you done all that? Tanner, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'll just be really honest. I just love trying to build stuff. And so for me, I've just like literally had times on staff at church and times not on staff at church. And there's just always been a part of me that loved, the day-to-day of ministry, but I've never been in, I've never been a senior pastor. And so I've never been in the visionary uh, out front, like it's all up to me kind of role. My role has been uh, pastoral, it's been teaching and it's been executing. And so for me, like the stuff I've started doing while on staff at church has literally just because there's a part of me that like loves being the visionary and trying stuff and doing something entrepreneurial. So some of it has been that. I also would be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me that has looked at a lot of the generation that's gone before me and said, I don't want to be that, but I've also never felt comfortable trying to monetize my ministry. You know what I mean? And so I think for me, I've just lived in both worlds and I enjoy both of them so much. The parts about ministry that I love is pastoring people. And 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 that's, you know, that's not that's not equivalent to building a mega church and being able to take care of my retirement doing that. Right. So for me, it's just honestly been such a both and thing. And it's something that I honestly still think about a lot. Like, and my legalistic Pentecostal heritage sometimes still makes me feel like I'm running from my calling uh, by doing anything, (laughs) but um, just focusing on, on ministry. But in the last 18 months, I felt so in my sweet spot. And so in, it's made me love ministry more, actually, like way more. 
uh, I love the men's small group that I get to do with nine dudes on Wednesday mornings at seven. And I actually find so much more purpose in that now that I'm getting to try this other stuff that kind of tickles that itch, scratches that itch, if you will. I know that's not a super spiritual answer, uh, Very but practical. that's as, that's as, as practical as I, I got it. So, yeah, I read a quote one time and I, f- I forget which author, uh, it was, but he, actually come to think of it, it might've been Einstein. Mm. Maybe that Einstein was working a second job while he was think. Ah, I don't want to, I don't want to say it if it's wrong, mm-hmm. but it was, it was like, I'm pretty sure it was Einstein. Somebody's going to correct me. And they're oh, like, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. him. You yeah. idiot. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that he was working in a very, just like basic government job while he was also pursuing, um, you know, right. pursuing his, his real interests. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that if he, if he would have been doing that full time, then maybe it's, it's less pure and it's more about, I need to mm-hmm. you know, increase my status in this organization. And whether it's true of Einstein or not, it's true as a broad principle, right? Yep. Where if, yeah. if you are, if you are a, a pastor and that is all you do, and this is just my, my thinking as I'm, you know, looking out however many years in, into a potential future, there's, there's, I don't want to say it's a conflict of interest because it's, it's almost like an overly intense alignment of interest mm. where I'm doing this, I'm sold out for this. And now you might be doing things a way that you wouldn't, if you didn't have to worry about the money piece coming from your role mm-hmm. with the church. I know that's maybe cynical it. and skeptical, but it's hey, just things that I think about, you know, it's, that's real life. Mm-hmm. Money pressure is, it's like the number one thing for marriages. It's the number one thing for just, you know, well-being. People think, well, money can't make you happy. We know we get our joy, you know, source from God as Christians, but um, money is not evil. Money is a tool. Money in the right hands does a lot of good. The love of money is the root of all evil, not the money itself. So once you get all that perspective down, your pursuit should be amongst all the things we're pursuing as believers, mm-hmm. you know, living godly lives, loving our families, raising our children, you know, serving in our church community. One of them should be to be, to get wealth. Mm-hmm. And the Bible's very clear that God gives us the power to get wealth. Why does he want that? Because he wants the wealth in the hands of the righteous. So the righteous do righteous things with the wealth. And so bust the idea that being poor is holy and, you know, somehow I'm, I'm more sacrificially laying down my life to God because my kids can't do the things that their friends can do. I can't ever take them on a vacation to Disney World that probably costs 20 grand a day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that you just got to smash that mindset. Yep. And uh, it's slowly going. It's slowly going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we don't want to be that the uh, Theoshu meme of assistant pastor taking their fam- family to Branson, Missouri. Uh, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> uh, you know, TD Jakes, and I know you say the name TD Jakes, and people start to like peak because he's, I you know, TD. I find him to be one of the the best preachers in the hit, yeah. like just Still. the the preacher of preachers, regardless yeah. of what you think of some of his theological points. He said the freest he ever felt was the day he could stop taking a wage from his church because right. he said, I could get up on the stage and I could say what I felt like God wanted me to say without yeah. fear of how that would affect not just myself, 
but my family and and the rest of the organization I lead. And I think, you know, there's something there's something to that. You know? Dude, can I finish with Go for my it. TV story? Yes. He's down in Sydney. We're hosting him. And we do like three nights of incredible meetings. And we take him out on, on a yacht around Sydney Harbour. It's nighttime. And he's like not super like down with boats and water. <laughs> I, I got, <laughs> yeah, not loving it. Yeah, he's like, he's holding on. And uh, so we're hanging out. And I said, uh, Bishop, do you want me to take you out the front of the boat? Because I knew where we were coming around the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge were about to appear. So I was like, sure. So we're going, we were standing, and it was the most magical night, Sydney weather, the whole thing's lit up. And he's just like, and I don't say anything, he's just looking. And I said, Titi, give me one revelation about money. And he's like, Garden of Eden, four rivers, always have four streams of income coming into your life. Mm. Changed my life. Yeah. Brilliant. Awesome. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. Man, gentlemen, this has been... Um, been an amazing conversation. Tanner, thanks for being with us, man. We're going to have to do this again for sure. Come back thanks on. Having me. I love it. We'll make it happen. Uh, what was that number again to text Kings to? Yeah, text Kings to 39383. We'll get you set up. You can test it out and see if it might be a good fit for your church. Love it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Give us a rating. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It makes such a difference. And we will see you right back here next week. Thank you.